And now, WBW Theater. Welcome to WBW Theater. Listen to a series of radio dramas, comedies, mysteries, thrillers, westerns, all dedicated to preserving the golden age of radio. Those thrilling days of yesteryear, way back when families gathered together around the living room radio to join the theater of the mind. Listen now as we take you way back when imagination ruled and creativity had no limits. Listen now to WBW Theater. This is Henry Simon bringing you another story from my files here at the Missing Persons Bureau. In these stories of the Missing Persons Bureau, dramatized for Henry Simon by Ross Napier, names and addresses have, for obvious reasons, been changed. In one moment, the search for Anthony Atwill. Address unknown. And here again is Henry Simon. There are many attractions for the tourists in London. Indeed, almost as many attractions as there are tourists. Which is something that can be said of no other city, with, of course, the possible exception of Rome. There's Buckingham Palace itself, Clarence House, and the Palace of St. James. There's St. Paul's Cathedral and the Tower of London. There's the Old Bailey, the Law Courts, the British Museum. These to mention only a few. But of all the attractions which London offers... There would surely be none to compare for colour and splendour, for pomp and ceremony, with the changing of the guard. Perhaps the most outstanding feature of this grand old custom is the carriage of the guards themselves. Many is the time I've watched them fascinated, marvelling at their bearing, their capacity to stand a rigid attention, almost without batting an eyelid for hours at a time. Their bare skins or busbies heavier than their foreheads. Their buttons, braid and boots flashing, be the skies grey or blue. It's a capacity I have yet to see equaled anywhere in the world. And a ceremony that can never be surpassed. Oddly enough, I've been held up in a traffic jam near Buckingham Palace, brought about by the changing of the guard, on the very morning that I was visited here in my office by Sir Robert Atwill, an old friend and fellow club member of mine, whose son I knew to be a member of the Royal Guard, and of whom, needless to say, Sir Robert was extremely proud. He was waiting for me in the outer office when I arrived, and from the look on his face I knew at once that something was wrong. Henry, I'm at the end of me tether. You're the one man I know who can help me. Help you in connection with what? Oh, my son, Anthony, he's, he's disappeared. Disappeared completely. I think perhaps you'd best sit down, Robert. Try to relax a little. Perhaps a brandy might help. Oh, no, 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 no. It'll be all right. Just a bit upset, you know. It's, it's all come as rather a shock. 
You, you've met Anthony, of course? Yes, yes, a number of times. That must be almost three years since I last saw him. Let's see now. I believe it was that day he scored the century for Cambridge against Oxford. Wonderful knock, that. Mm. I don't recall ever seeing a hundred runs put up on that board in quicker time. Yes, he could have played for England, that boy, if he'd put his mind to it. Well, there's still time. He's only, um, what is it, 24, 25? Henry, I, I don't think you can have heard what I said. I said he's disappeared. Gone. Yes, I heard you. Well, then, why, why talk about cricket? Hang it all, I mean to say. Because you're quite obviously in a very highly agitated frame of mind. Knowing as well as I do, I realize it's quite useless trying to pry information from you while you're in such a state. Hmm. Moreover, I'm doing my very best to place the boy in my own mind. Now then, just take things calmly and tell me exactly what's happened. When did he disappear, and how? Well, it was last week on the Tuesday afternoon. He was on duty at the palace. Buckingham Palace? Yes. And? Well, shortly after three o'clock, he was found to be missing from his post. By whom? One of the constables on duty, who in turn, of course, reported it to a palace official. He wasn't seen leaving? Apparently not. But surely in that uniform he couldn't very well have walked away without being spotted by someone. Well, that's exactly what he appears to have done. Not in his uniform. His bare skin and coat were later discovered in a sentry box. Oh. And of course, whatever happens, it means the end of his career in the guards. All probability he'll be court-martialed. Perhaps even put in prison. But the boy may have suffered some form of mental lapse. He might not have been responsible for his actions. Responsible or not, he'll be held to account for them. No excuse will be taken into consideration. And even if the court-martial's a mere formality, his dismissal will be automatic. What steps have been taken so far by his superiors? Oh, none so far as I know, except that he's been posted as a deserter. Matter's been hushed up as much as possible. But it wouldn't surprise me to learn that the civilian authorities have been alerted to be on the lookout for him. So much red tape attached to these things, it's... It's quite impossible to know what course they'd adopt. Ah. Tell me a little about the boy. Was he happy in the guards? He appeared to be perfectly happy. How long has he been in the service? Two and a half years. And his record? Thornton, this couldn't have been better. Now, regarding his personal life, has he suffered any kind of emotional upsets of late? Not that I know of, no. We got himself involved with some girl a few months ago, but I understood that was all over. Now, what exactly do you mean by involved? Well, at one point he was talking of getting engaged. I didn't take it seriously, of course. Uh, knowing his weakness for falling in and out of love, but even so, I remember it rather shocked me at the time. Did you meet this girl? Yes, once. Pulled her home. Were you impressed or otherwise? Most decidedly unimpressed. Didn't care for her in the least. Why not? Oh, she was showy, for one thing. Oh, intensely attractive. Quite beautiful, in fact. But uh, cheap and rather vulgar. Moreover, she drank far more than was good for her. On this particular occasion, she was three parts under. Oh, I see. Yeah, not at all the type of girl I'd choose for a daughter-in-law. She didn't visit you a second time? Well, certainly not. I told Anthony if she ever set foot in the place again, there'd be the devil to pay. Well, how did he take that? Quite well, actually. He was rather put out himself at the way she behaved. Still, he said he didn't blame me for reacting as I did. Did he continue to keep company with her? Hmm. He did. He kept it a secret from me. Never spoke of it again. I see. Has there been anyone since? Not as far as I know. Yeah, which is quite surprising, really. As I said before, this other creature appeared on the scene. He was always forever losing his heart to someone. When did you last see him before he disappeared? Well, on the previous Sunday. He was off duty and we took the opportunity of visiting the grave of his mother, God rest her. Mm-hmm. How did he seem then? Very quiet, subdued. In the circumstances, that was natural enough. It was the same way myself. 
Yeah, poor Vera. I don't think either of us have ever been the same since she died. Hmm. Must be five years ago now. Almost seven. Anthony was just 18 at the time. Have you been seeing much of him lately? Oh, not a great deal. Two or three times a month, perhaps, no more. Relations were in no way strained between you. Oh, not unless he was harboring a secret grudge regarding me disapproval of Felicia. Felicia? Yes, that was her name, Felicia Howard. Oh, I see. You haven't thought of checking with her at all, I suppose? I've been so upset, I haven't thought of checking with anyone. Even so, she's the last person I'd approach. How long have they been keeping company when you met her? Two months, perhaps not that long. But, uh, you seem to be placing a great deal of importance in what, to my mind, was a relatively trivial affair. Well, perhaps. It's just that in nine cases out of ten of this character, there's always a woman involved. Oh, come in, you. Surely you don't have guardsmen disappearing every other day. The fact that Anthony's a guardsman has no bearing at all in my thoughts at the moment. I'm thinking of him simply as a young man who has, as you yourself said, a very definite susceptibility for the opposite sex. Hang it all, man, at his age, it was much the same. Not quite. Eh? If I recall correctly, at his age, you were married. Well, uh, I was fortunate enough to meet the right woman. Exactly. Therein lies the difference. From what you tell me, Anthony has met the wrong one. Following Sir Robert's departure, I sent for Agent Paul Study, with whom I discussed the case in detail. As it happened, Study was also working on two other cases at the same time, both of them, curiously enough, involving young men in roughly the same age group as Anthony Atwill. It was, therefore, only to be expected that he should be very reluctant to take on a third. Oh, I tell you, Chief, I'm so fed up with these young bloods and their tragic affairs, I feel like jumping off London Bridge. Well, there's no guarantee whatever that Atwill's disappearance is connected in any sort of way with a love affair. But the indications are certainly present. You know, I've always wanted to see one of those characters do something crazy. What characters? Ah, those bare-skinned guys, the way they stand there like marble statues. A spaceship from Mars could land right at their feet and they wouldn't turn a hair. I've often been tempted to try tickling one in the ribs. I wouldn't advise it if I were you. You have to find yourself behind bars very smartly. That's why I said I'd have liked to have seen this happen. The guy suddenly whip off his coat and top knot, chuck him in the sentry box and stroll off. <laughs> I dare say quite a number of people would have liked to have seen that happen. Fact remains, of course, that no one did. No one we know of at any rate. Yeah, I guess he'll really have the book thrown at him when he finally turns up. Oh, yes, indeed. Very dodge book at that. Those boys even get punished for fainting on parade, let alone strolling off and leaving the palace unattended. Well, not unattended exactly, but less attended than usual. As I imagine he's in for quite a rap over the knuckles, whatever his excuse may be. But for the moment, of course, that's quite beside the point. Our job is to find him regardless. And I think that our best bet is to set the ball rolling by checking with his Howarth girl. Uh-huh. Uh, who is she exactly? Well, from what I gather, she comes from quite a prominent family. Her father's a member of parliament. Her mother's apparently quite closely related to a baronet. Hmm. Sounds like she might be a bit of a throwback. Well, from Sir Robert's description of her, it does indeed. He doesn't know the family at all himself, but he knows of them. And he's heard from a reasonably reliable source that they've broken off all relations with her. Yeah. Where does she hang out? Any idea? Hmm, he seemed to think she had a flat somewhere in Sloan Square, so I checked it in the phone book and... Um... Let's see. Oh, yes, here we are. Howard. Uh, Miss Felicia A... Six Aldershot Mansions, Grover Road. It was a pre-war block, not very far from Sloan Square Station. Taking a lift to the second floor, Study made his way along a narrow carpeted passage to a door marked six at the far end. 
In all, he knocked four times and was just preparing to retrace his footsteps back along the passage when the door opened and he found himself confronted by a slim young woman in a flame-colored bathrobe. Her dark hair was wet and hung limply at her shoulders. Her feet were bare and she wore no makeup. Yet there could be no doubting that she was an uncommonly beautiful girl, despite the look of annoyance which clouded her features. Every time I take a bath, I can count on someone arriving in the middle of it. Pardon me, I... It wasn't planned. Who are you? What do you want? Well, the name is Study. I'm from the Missing Persons Bureau. If you're Felicia Howarth, I want that we should have a few brief minutes of chat. About what? Well, a friend of yours, Anthony Atwell. Oh. Well, in that case, you'd better come in. Thanks. Well? What about Anthony? Seen him around lately. Not for a week or so? Why? Because he's missing. You don't tell me. Uh Uh-huh. Any idea where he might be? Not the slightest. But when you find him, you might contact my solicitors. Uh Uh-huh. Why? Because I intend suing him, that's why. Suing him? For what? Assault. Henry Simon returns to continue this story in just a moment. And here again is Henry Simon. Somewhat taken aback, Study stared hard at the young woman, who met his gaze unflinchingly, running a carefully manicured hand through her limp hair as she did so. The corners of her mouth registering faint amusement at the agent's obvious surprise. You look a little shocked, Mr. Study. That's putting it mildly. Assault's a pretty serious charge. No more serious than the damage he might have done me if he hadn't been stopped when he was. Stopped by who? Harry Gordon, a friend of mine. We were walking along the street, minding our own business, when suddenly Anthony appeared in front of us. He called me a filthy name and knocked me down. I fell on the pavement and skinned my elbow. It all happened so quickly, it was over before I'd had time to draw breath. Then when Harry turned to grab him, he ran away. Now, when was this? Last week. The swelling in my jaws almost gone up. But you should have seen it a few days ago. Uh-huh. What day last week? The Tuesday afternoon. Around three o'clock. And uh, that's when he was found missing from his post? Well, he uh, he wasn't in uniform. Just the trousers and the boots. Whereabouts did it happen? In the mall. About, uh, oh, about halfway along. Going towards the palace or away from it? Away from it. We were actually coming from Victoria. Uh-huh. So you did pass the palace? Yes. Did you happen to see Atwell on guard... Well, I wasn't looking for him. Obviously, he saw you. Hmm. Well, the next time he sees me, it'll be in court. You and he were pretty chummy at one stage, weren't you? We went out a bit together, yes. When was the last time? Oh, two, perhaps three weeks ago. Hmm. Were you seeing each other regularly before that? Every day. Now, according to his father, he broke things off with you a couple of months back. That old fogey wouldn't know what year it was. You weren't engaged to be married by any chance. Why do you ask that? Just curious. Well, as a matter of fact, we were. We kept it quiet from the old boy, but I was wearing his ring for over three months. 
Up to the time he beat you up? I'd taken it off a week or so before. Why? No, oh, he began to bore me. I, I decided I didn't want to get married after all. And you uh, returned the ring? No, I hadn't got around to it. But you had broken the engagement. Oh, more or less. It was sort of up in the air. And meanwhile, you were going around with this Harry Gordon, huh? Harry and one or two others. I always did enjoy variety. I guess you realize you've probably wrecked Atwell's life. Oh, you're breaking my heart. Well, I guess that's something anyway. What? I was beginning to wonder if you had one. It transpired that prior to his taking an interest in Miss Howarth, Harry Gordon had been a friend of our quarries for many years and was known to Sir Robert as quite a decent and reliable young man. This description was duly found to be apt enough when Study visited Gordon in his Curzon Street apartment that same evening. Tall and well-built with wavy fair hair, he proved to be both friendly and polite. Please, Mr. Study, when you speak of my association with Felicia, I'd be obliged if you do so in the past tense. I haven't seen her since the day of the trouble with Antony, and I have no intention of contacting her again. Yeah. How long were you keeping company? Oh, a few weeks. While she was still engaged to Atwell? I knew nothing about that. She took care not to let me see any ring. But you, uh, you knew she was going steady with him? Oh, vaguely, yes. But, well, I got tangled up with her without quite realizing it. Hmm. Now it's all over, eh? Completely. Because of the trouble with Atwell? Oh, that really showed her up in her true light. I'd kind of like to hear your version of that story. What happened exactly? Well, uh, I'd arranged to meet her at a pub over in Victoria around two. When I got there, she was tight, and she insisted on having a few more drinks. Uh -huh. Well, then she suggested we walk back to town to give her a chance to sober up. Well, I didn't know what a game was then, but I soon found out. You see, we had to go past Buckingham Palace... And Anthony was standing guard at the front gate. Well, she must have known he was there because she made a point of going right by him. Well, directly I spotted him, I tried to get her away. And that's when she turned on her act. She suddenly grabbed hold of me and started kissing me right in front of him. Well, apart from anything else, I've never been so embarrassed. Yeah. I just grabbed her by the arm, propelled her across the street and set off along the mall as fast as I could walk. Well, by this time, she was laughing and singing at the top of her voice. I tried to hail a cab, but there wasn't a vacant one to be had. Well, we must have been about a hundred yards along from St. James's Palace, when suddenly Anthony bore down on us. His face was white with rage, and he was trembling all over. He said he was going to take her home, but the moment he touched her arm, she started spitting like a wildcat. Then she tried to kick him lost her balance, and fell in the gutter. Mm. Well, for a second or two, he just stood there, looking down at her. And she was screaming and swearing at him for all she was worth. Then he turned on his heel and walked away. The last I saw of him, he was heading across the park. And that's when I finally managed to get a cab. So I bundled her in and told the cabbie where to drop her. 
And that's the whole story. Yeah. According to her, Atwell knocked her down. She says she intends to sue. <laughs> Just let her try. I'll be the first to get up and tell the court what really happened. You know, I don't get the point of it. Why would she want to pull a stunt like that? I wouldn't know. Frankly, at the time, I think she was too drunk to know herself. Yeah. Well, if it was her intention to ruin the guy, she did a mighty fine job. Even as things stand, is in one heck of a mess. But when this gets out, he'll be finished for good. Returning to the office, study reported his progress, if such it could be called. In reality, we were no further advanced than we had been before. Indeed, we were a good deal worse off, because we'd exhausted our only leads and had nothing at all to show for them. In view of this, we had no, no option except to push the case to one side in favour of other more fruitful investigations. It was purely a temporary shelving in the absence of pertinent information, but it was difficult for me to explain this to Sir Robert, who appeared to be of the belief that we were abandoning the search altogether. As it happened, the case was opened abruptly some two days later, when, shortly before five in the afternoon, Study received a phone call. Yes, Missing Persons Bureau, Study speaking. Felicia Howard here, Mr. Study. Oh? And to what do I owe this doubtful honor? Could you come over right away? Over where? To my flat. Why? Because I'm scared. When I got home earlier, the caretaker told me a man phoned this morning wanting to know where I was. Though apparently he'd rung my flat and couldn't get an answer. So? He wouldn't leave his name, said he'd call back. Uh-huh. Well, I'd only been in about 20 minutes. The phone rang, I answered it, and the line went dead. There was someone at the other end, I know that. They hung up in my ear. I think it was Anthony, Mr. Study, checking to see if I was home. I think he's on his way here now. So you want me to come over and protect you, huh, in case he gets violent? I phoned Harry Gordon, but he wouldn't come, the low-down swine. It's all his fault anyway. He's to blame for the whole thing. And he has the height to say he hopes Anthony wrings my neck. The big bad wolf. Now open up or I'll huff and I'll puff. Mr. Study, I'm so glad you've come. I've been sitting here waiting, scared sick. There's no one I can turn to now, only you. If you're the wrong party in this deal, as you claim, how come you're so squeamish? I've been thinking things over. He's quite mad. He must be. When you came here before, there was something I didn't tell you. I figured there might be. When he found out about Harry, we had a dreadful scene. He, he told me if he ever caught us together, he'd kill me. This was before the other business? The, the previous evening. Yet you deliberately went out of your way to let him see you crawling all over the guy in public. <laughs> I'd been stewing about it. I had too much to drink. I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to show him I wasn't bothered by his threats, but... I... That I'd do as I chose. You're bothered plenty now. 
Wouldn't you be if you were in my shoes? Beautiful. If I was in your shoes, I'd cut off my feet. Please, Mr. Study, don't choke. I'm telling you, he's out of his mind. Well, he hasn't shown up yet. Maybe he's not. That'll be him now. Soon see. Well, hi, Gordon. Harry, what are you doing here? You invited me, remember? You said you wouldn't come. That was two hours ago. I've had time to change my mind. You look pretty shaken. Something wrong? After Felicia phoned me, I rang Sir Robert and told him about the mysterious phone calls she'd received. I thought he might like to know in case Anthony did show up. Yeah? It wasn't Anthony who rang. It was the old chap himself. He wanted to ask her if she'd heard anything, but when he heard her voice on the other end of the line, he couldn't bring himself to talk to her. So he hung up. You mean it was that old fool all the time? That's right. He phoned this morning, and you weren't in, so he spoke to the caretaker. Then he called back this afternoon. And to think I've been worrying myself silly. You've a lot more than that to worry about. What do you mean? It came over the radio, not half an hour ago. Over the radio? A news bulletin. At 3.20 this afternoon, the body of a man was pulled out of the river. It was estimated by a police doctor that he'd been in the water for at least a week. He carried no identification. But it didn't take them long to trace him. The clothes he was wearing, the boots, part of a uniform. Oh, no. The uniform of the Royal Guard. Henry Simon returns to conclude this story in just a moment. And here again is Henry Simon. The body of Anthony Atwill was formally identified by his father. And at the subsequent coroner's inquest, in the absence of proof to the contrary, a verdict of accidental death was recorded. It is not known just when Anthony Atwill died, but it is presumed that he entered the river within a matter of hours following his encounter with Felicia Howarth and Harry Gordon. A tragic fate for a young man with so promising a future, and brought about solely by the vicious spite of the woman he loved. And now this is Henry Simon, as always, inviting you to meet me here again, and for the present bidding you au revoir. Join us again as we bring you exciting thrills and adventure, rip-roaring comedy, and shoot-em-up westerns and gangbusters. Next time, when your imaginations will be invited into the theater of the mind with WBW Theater.